Yo, yo. Welcome back. Hey. We got the tequila rolling already. Welcome back to episode three of Basement Brokers, the Omega Real Estate Show. And we are back with another special guest, Alyssa O'Connor. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Hello, life with Liz in the house. Life with with Liz. (laughs) Here in in our little basement, nice and... Yeah. Nice and cozy down here. You know what's funny is I actually wanted to make that known that we are recording in our basement, and that's kind of the, the reason why we, we have the name <laughs> Basement Brokers. Yeah. yeah, which is cool that we have a basement. It's it a really is. cool office when we describe it to people. Absolutely. And then when they come here, they're like, "Whoa, that's I've never seen anything like this." Finished basement too. It's like not like a creepy like. Over there is. Oh yeah, that the that's Rosemary's future. Office. Oh <laughs> my god! That's where we're gonna put her in the little like brick room. No, we, anyway. can, we can make this a little cooler, a little more. Yeah, we will. We're in the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks. We are stoked to have you on. Yep. Um, you're born and raised in Ontario, California. Technically. Uh-oh. Technically, Technically, I was born in Pomona because I was oh, born, at, me too. born at Pomona Valley Hospital. <laughs> High five to that one. Actually, is, is that what you go by? What? Because I wasn't born in the town that I say I was born in, if that's how we do it. Well, well, no. No, but I did, I think, live, I forget, my parents lived in another house, which I don't know if it was in Pomona or if it was in, like, Upland for Got a couple it. of months Alyssa of my from early Pomona? life. From yeah. P-Town? <laughs> I don't really know, but yes, majority of my life, I've lived in Ontario. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like a lot of people who are from Ontario were born in Pomona Valley. Uh-huh. Because it was the main hospital. I mean, back then, I don't think Kaisers were really around. Or San Antonio was too small. It was too small, yeah. For I think, like, my little sister had her kids in San Antonio, but I think my whole family was, like, born in Pomona, Pomona. Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's the main hospital. Interesting. So when people, when they say you're from Ontario, I'm like, no, she's not. <laughs> she's from Pomona. She's from Pomona, fool. No, when they say born and raised in Ontario, and it's like, well, where? Yeah, because like, what you hospital? can't really say born. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, but you went to all, this, all the schools in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what schools did you go to? Um, so I went to Edison Elementary from kindergarten to second, and then we moved. And I went to Berlin oh. Elementary from third to sixth. And then Vina for uh, junior high and Chafee for high school. Nice. Chafee. Oh, that's right. Alyssa from, from Chafee High School. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Same year. Yeah. Same age. That's how I knew. Well, I like knew of, you know, you, Megan, but we, we didn't like hang out. Yeah. I hung out with like the scholars. <laughs> the oh, scholars. Really? They were the, the smart a, people. That's an interesting way to put it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. You could try Sears if you want part of the scholars. Yeah. But you so. knew Jamie and she was the... Was she vice president? Was she, she like valedict? She was val- our valedictorian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was your bestie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shout Jamie. out Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> Did you yeah. go into any uh, any colleges? Yes, I went to Cal State Fullerton for two and a half years. What? Yep. I didn't know that. I Maybe I did know that. You Fullerton too. She's yeah. like, hey, I'm going to Fullerton. Yeah, I would. I got into Fullerton and Cal Poly, and I chose Fullerton over Cal Poly. I don't really know the exact reason why I chose it over, but everything happened for a reason. You know, I met my best friend in college, and so it was, like, meant for me to go yeah. there versus Cal so Poly. Two and a half years and then just, like, bailed and said, you know what? Yeah, I finished all of my general ed, and, like, I should have my AA, but I never, like, went that far, I guess. Um, 
I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was going for a business major and I started taking classes and I hated it. My professors that I had, I had this professor for my accounting class that was a Vietnam vet and he would literally tell us every day how much we pretty much were horrible kids and didn't want to learn. And he would literally spend the entire class session telling us that. And it really? made us all so discouraged. We would all sit there like, we still don't know what we're doing. Taught us. Imagine Alyssa yeah. being a horrible kid. That's like It was the one class that I failed in college. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I took a business writing class, which I really liked that class actually taught me how to do resumes and everything. And then I took a business, um, like kind of contract class and that one was difficult it would actually be a class that i should take now as an adult in the business that we're in because it probably would be i was you know 18 19 years old then or 20 i didn't know what i was doing or really even understand life and i probably would understand it so much more now yeah if you went and got your four-year bachelor's degree what would you what would you go to or not what would you go to what would you study i've always struggled with that really because I've always wanted to go back and maybe get a degree in interior design or something related to what I do now, because that's what I've always had an interest my whole life in. And so I've just always struggled with if I wanted to do that full time, whereas doing real estate now, we can kind of do a bunch of different little things while having our license. You don't have to be stuck to doing one thing. Oh, wow. So it's kind of cool having that and not being tied to if I got a degree, I have to do what I got my degree in. So what was happening in your life when you were like, you know what, I'm going to get my real estate license? Oh, gosh. Um, I was struggling, you know, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But that was always something I wanted to do, just didn't know how. And, um, you know, my neighbor, Michelle, at the time and the connections with Megan, I would follow her on social media and I kind of see like, how she was doing it and how I could go about it. And she was very open to me about, you know, what I needed to do and what steps I needed to take and how she would help me after. And it was kind of like, oh, I can do this. Like she kind of set up the scenarios of like what you need to do. And once I did it, it was like, okay, let's go forward with this. It was like before it was always something I didn't know if I could do because I didn't know how. And it was like having her to kind of help. Open the door for you. Yeah. That's cool. That was like. And then once doing it, it was like, this is what I really wanted to do. So it kind of like all worked out for the better. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you how you linked up with Meg, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, well, we went to school together. So, I mean, everybody from Chafee kind of like follows each other still on social media. Even if you don't know or talk to them (laughs) still, you still follow each other and follow each other's lives and stuff. So, you know, we had mutual friends. And I think at the time she had someone building her social media platform, you know, so she was adding, you know, a bunch of people that went to Chafee and stuff. So we kind of probably either linked up that way or, you know, she was friends with my sister, um, my twin sister, Kayla. She was friends with, you know, her ex at the time. And so she would come over to my house every once in a while. I'd see her and, you know, so we knew of each other. We just didn't hang out as like friends or anything. Right. Right. And I I, I was telling, um, like Zach the other day, I was like, uh, when I, when I meet new people, um, I don't even ask for their phone numbers anymore. I ask for their Instagram. <laughs> yeah, what's your Instagram? I, and I was thinking about it yesterday, and I'm like, why do I do that? Like, well, I mean, of course I do that because uh, you can you see the way people live their lives. It's like all in one because you can contact that person directly. Oh, you can message them yeah, the same 100%. way you would if you would text them. Yeah. So it's kind of an all in one. Yeah. So when you said like you know people follow each other from way back when, like I still follow like childhood friends, and it's mm-hmm. so cool to to be able to at any moment 
just go, hey, I remember, do you remember when, when Facebook, Instagram, like, first came out? Yeah. I think I got my first Facebook. I was taking, like, my SATs. Was it, like, 2003? I feel like Facebook was kind of, like, just came about. Because I was, like, a senior in high school, I think. Yeah, I was, like, a senior in high school, so, like, 2006. Because yeah. before that, I was, like, MySpace. That was the super in thing. Did you write your own, like, little code? Codes? Yeah. And you would... <laughs> And you think we were, I, I saw like a meme or something talking about that. Like we can do anything if we can, if, if we, we knew how to code our, ma- our MySpaces. And add music to it and like, <laughs> oh yeah. You would mind. make it all colorful and have little banners and like song lists, your favorite playlist, <laughs> like on the side. I just remember how cool it was to um, like randomly get a friend request or see someone pop up that you haven't talked to in years and you're so excited. Like, I feel like those, that, that doesn't happen anymore because we've had social media for so yeah. long. Uh-huh. I just remember like for a year straight, I'm like, dude, I can't believe it. This guy, wh- what have you been doing? You know? And then you just link up that way. So when you're talking yeah. about, you know, getting to know Meg and, you know, we, I was following Instagram and, it, and it's so crazy how it's changed the world. I think older generations too. My dad actually had someone reach out to him that he taught how to play the piano way back in the day. And this guy ended up being, winning grammys and all this kind of he went on to oh wow lead a very successful life in the industry and he like wrote my dad and they like reconnected just recently so it's like that's so cool to be able to do that on social media absolutely and our parents uh some of our parents did do that and it's cool for them too because they're they're back in touch with like elementary school kids and it's like that's so crazy to me where they remember everyone's first and last names yes yes (laughs) absolutely and they know like the street names they were on yeah someone's like like, oh do you remember so-and-so from i'm like if i saw their face maybe right they remember first and last names and they remember phone numbers Uh that's like the weirdest thing like my mom's like oh call your aunt or this person their Uh phone number i'm like their phone number i'm like (laughs) who remembers phone numbers nowadays yeah do you know your wife's phone number by heart I do actually, but you know, it's funny about you asked is because it took me like four years. <laughs> and it's I, so true though. I yeah. currently do not know my boyfriend's number by heart. Dang. I know the first, I know the area code in the first three. I know. Yeah. After that. I don't know Meg's by heart. I know. I know. Her, I know the, oh, I know, I know Meg's by code. heart. I know the area code <laughs> in the first three, but I don't know the rest. It's like nine, five, one. And I'm like, that's it. I know the whole thing because yeah. I always had to write it or say it when I well, was. Well, you were her assistant, assistant for yeah. like how long? Like what? A year it was about, or two? no, it was three months. Almost four months, maybe. Oh, okay, that was not too long. I think it was like a year at least. No, it was it was kind of short lived, but and she sent me on my way. Yeah, <laughs> just yes, push you off that did. cliff, fly, Absolutely. little bird, fly. So twenty twenty was an amazing year for for real estate agents. How was your twenty twenty? It was great. I mean, it was my second full year in real estate, and it was awesome. You know, comparing this time of the year, you know, when you have your memories and stuff, I you know, had a little bit more going on than I did do now just because of, you know, lack of inventory and stuff now. But it was a great year, the whole year round. It kept going, you know, pre-COVID, during COVID, all the things. (laughs) All the COVID. (laughs) Yeah, all the COVID. Any kind of COVID. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, What were your first thoughts when COVID hit? Like when they started shutting everything down and people started to get real freaked out and you're thinking about the real estate business, what were your first thoughts? I wasn't really scared at all. I mean, I had a lot of business going on at that time, so I wasn't really scared of, you know, producing or anything like that. (gasps) I had families that I was helping and um, I don't really freak out 
about stuff like that. I feel like, you know, there are people that are a little more sensitive to it. And for me, it was kind of like, we all need to go, we need to do our business and live our lives still. We can't stop. I have bills to pay and, you know, a life to live. And I'm not going to let something stop us and control that from reaching our goals. You right. Know? right. <clears throat> did you think the market was going to go up the way it did? No. Mm-mm. I don't think anybody did. I didn't think they would keep increasing at the rate it is. I saw from last January to this January, they were saying a statistic that it's increased 13% or something crazy like that. And it's like, nobody knew that it was going to increase that way. And I can understand why people think we're in some kind of bubble because of the way that it's increasing. But there's so many factors that go into that, of course. Talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hear the factors. I want to hear all the factors. I know. I saw this meme yesterday that my cousin posted. Um, and it said something about, you know, uh, millennials sitting over here waiting for the market to crash. It yes. was like this little, <laughs> this little guy, like just waiting. And it's like, unfortunately, that's not going to happen as much as people think it's going yeah. to. It's not. Yes, there's going to be some kind of adjustment, but there's no way that house prices are going to drop to 300,000. There's no way. No. We're, we're never going to have that 09, 10 era that we had before. And you I know, feel like- the opportunities that were there were great. But there were so many malpractices within the lending industry yeah. that made that happen that now, I mean, there's just not the same setup. No, no, it's not. And people are, are I, we, I think we talked about this with Mark. Um, yeah. People are always traumatized by the last event that happened. Like the we, we talked about how um, like the older generation, our grandparents were uh, super frugal with their money because they uh-huh. grew up in the depression. Even yeah. if they were wealthy. It still affected their life. And you figured that was... Like, over 10 years ago, us millennials are still we're, thinking that mindset that yeah, something like that is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Traumatizing. Sure. But what people don't realize is if that happens, that doesn't just affect the housing market. That affects your job. That affects your income. That affects everything. That's so you don't really want that point. to happen. No. You do not want the market to crash. Why would you want point. to yeah, see that? That There's so many other downfalls that will come with that. The housing market doesn't control the world. It's not the one thing that, you know, is holding us all up right now. In a way, it kind of is. It's the one thing that's stabilizing the economy. But it's not the only factor. And that's where I think people get really confused that, you know, what we've talked about, you know, the interest rates would have to go up. There's all these things would have to happen for the market to switch from a seller to buyer market. And that could be years out. And we are the biggest uh, pool of buyers in the market today is millennials. Yep. Yeah. The biggest group of buyers out there. Will you figure those people who have now graduated college have worked a job for X amount of years mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. and they're looking for the next stage in their life. 100%. So that's kind of, you know, where we're at, you know, early 30s. Yep. And like millennials, like, you know, move to the cities. You know, we were young, we were working, and some of my friends moved to LA, you know, some people in San Diego, and then they're coming back home now. They're coming back home to Ontario because, you know, it's, it's cheaper out here. It's more affordable. Yeah. And there's a phase where people are wanting to start a family. Yeah. They want to have kids. And, you know, whether they were living with parents or they're living in a one-bedroom apartment and they can't make that dream of theirs happen until they figure out a different living situation. So it's all a trickle effect. It's kind of cool watching, like, you know, our friends from high school, like, coming back and, like, asking us to, like, help out. And I feel uh-huh. like it's super, like, a good feeling. It is. It's cool to be in the same area that we grew up in and to help people that live in this area still. You don't realize that, I mean, you know, people always say it's crazy to still live in the city that you grew up in. I say that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that, (laughs) there's a lot of people that refer to that. Oh, because, because I moved out of the city I I lived in. Which I feel like a lot of people do that 
you know, either from upstate or, you know, I feel like we live in the best of both worlds here. We yeah. have the suburbs along with we're close to the mountains. We're close to the beach. Oh, you know, it's a great location. Springs. And it's that's like, where I think a lot of us mm. just stay here. <laughs> this is the best place to live in California, in my opinion. And I'm biased because I live here, but you're, you're three hours from Vegas, two hours from San Diego, one hour to the beach, one hour to LA. One hour to Palm Springs, to the desert. Yeah, One hour to Palm anywhere. Desert. Uh, you are snowboarding in the winter. You're surfing in the summer. Uh, lake life if you're uh-huh. if you're down with that yep. like yeah. dude, i just feel like it's just i feel like people move out of their towns when they're from a boring town or from kind of middle of nowhere it's not yeah. a lot to do you know you kind of get bored after the routine out here you really can't get bored i mean there's so much to do out here and i don't know for me it's like why move away when i'm kind of living okay here yeah i mean like, yeah there's restaurant life i mean kind of cuz covid i feel like a lot of people <laughs> um say that their city is boring because they grew up there regardless of the city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I hear that a lot. Well, you think, you figure there's people that live out of state and they drive 45 minutes to get to a Target. You know, we right. just don't live that life here. We're like 10, 15 minutes from multiple Targets. So it's <laughs> like, we can go pretty much anywhere and do anything we want. We don't have to worry about driving out of town. We're not in a town necessarily. <laughs> That's right though. I mean, growing up here and you're going to, you know, get to sell uh, a bunch of people that you know homes over the years yep. and uh, list their homes when they're moving out of state and uh, elsewhere and stuff like that. So you're helping people buy and sell, um, have had a tremendous start to the career. Uh, I think you're, what, you're in your third year now? Yeah. This is your number three. Yeah. Amazing. But now you're Feels starting- like longer. It, it does feel like longer, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I aged like 10 years in five. I got my first gray hair once I turned 30. Oh, yeah. this These these, <laughs> these deals are not easy, y'all. Yeah. They're not. But you're helping people buy and sell, um, and you just bought your own uh, primary residence. I did. Congratulations. Thank you. It's amazing. It doesn't feel real yet. I don't know why. Well, I guess I do know why. I was very fortunate to buy the place that I was renting, and unfortunately, you know, the owner passed away and the family had to sell it. So I still live in the same place. So I didn't have to make a move. So normally when people buy a place, <laughs> they move and that's the exciting part of it. You move into your place, you're making your own. I'm already living already there. there. So I don't have, I get to now, you know, remodel it and stuff, which I'm so excited for that. But um, yeah, it's like surreal. What are you going to do to it? I want to change the flooring. I Paint wanna, it pink. I actually have thought about like, <laughs> My like oh my little God. powder room. I can do like pink if I want to. You know, it's mine. I get to do anything I want, and I want to do like she's you know, like the typical. And that's why I love Alyssa <laughs> so much because like the typical girl that like I just love hanging out with because she has her cheetah print laptop, her <laughs> cell phone case. Like it's just I'm like I love it, girly, <laughs> girly, and um, I guess people would my family would describe me as um, stubborn and very like. my own way like I'm gonna do things my way and it's so cool that now I have the opportunity to do that to my place I can make do it my way I don't have to have anybody else to consult with it's my decision and that's the exciting part being that it's my first place that I will eventually turn into a rental so I have to be smart about what I'm actually going to put into it and do to it because it's not my forever home it's definitely a good start for my life and where I'm at now um, but of course, eventually, yeah. uh, you know, it's a condo. So I would like to someday have a yard, but right now I'm not worried about mowing the lawn. So <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Yeah. Yeah. But you have a lot of experience now uh, with remodeling because you're flipping properties. And that's my favorite part. I would say my position in our flipping, a lot of it is the design. I think I do pick out a lot of our materials and lighting and fixtures and, you know, all the things that make it visually appealing in the end. And I love that part. That's my way of expression. And, you know, I can see the vision. I always help clients even see their vision when they're buying a house. And I know that some people don't do that or don't have visions for, you know, what a place could be. And that's the most exciting part to me is to give people the vision or to see the vision ahead of time and make it happen. And then what you saw in your head for it to actually be that in the yes. end. I think it was super interesting when, you know, I saw your first flip at Princeton. And, yeah. you know, when you think of flips, you think of like, Typical, you know, investors, they come in, they put the cheapest product in there Lipstick and they just on a pig. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> when I saw their first flip, I was like, this is cute. Like, <laughs> I've never seen a flip. I never thought a flip would be that way, you know, but you guys did the whole like farm style look, which is super nice. Super trendy right now to do the farmhouse. And that's where this one that we're doing now is very different because it's a 1920 Spanish style house. And so Spanish is not really trendy right now. Yeah. So to find materials and stuff to fit that trend in colors. colors is different. There's not a lot out there because everybody's going for the farmhouse. Yeah. Everybody wants to do the light and bright, black and white, yeah. the pattern tiles, all those kind of things. It's so weird to think about like what, 10 years ago to paint your house black was like super like oh, taboo. Yeah. It's like you're going to paint your trim black. <laughs> I'm seeing it a lot more and more, man. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, it looks really sure. nice when people have, yeah, like all black house and they have like some cedar wood accents. Right. I love that. Yeah. Like yeah. some wood siding on it. So cute. Give it two years, people will change their house back to like yellow. I'm just glad we're phasing out of the grayish stage. I love the gray. <laughs> <laughs> Who says we're phasing out? It's a man, that's why. We're definitely phasing out of it. Well, we did the, <laughs> the Spanish outside, modern inside. And I, I, I don't know. I'm a fan. But it is, I will say, it is it is harder to uh, uh, have color in the house because you got to go. Uh, Brielle does a good job, by the way, but yeah. um, it's I couldn't have done it. You know? <laughs> but I also don't like where the era we came out of was the brown phase, uh -huh. which was the dark the, ebony cabinets with the yes. granite dark countertops with and the, the dark walls. But the, the dark browns, though. Yeah. Just browns everywhere uh -huh. browns and everything and you can do a lot of color with that but it just it just looks yeah. boring to me you yeah. know it's always something yeah the browns yeah. and then the grays now we're in the black and white yeah there's always, always some interesting kind of to see what you guys like i was almost like what are they gonna do the next flip what are they gonna do the next flip and it's always like yes i was like come up with some like nice ideas and i like it and, and i don't every time i see your flips they honestly like they look really good yeah and i feel like it i mean what's your like story behind like you know investing a little bit more money on flips and just doing like the basic. Yeah. The, so we don't like to even really call it a flip. It's more like we're reviving it. We're bringing it back to what it should be, you know, yeah. whether it has original hardwood floors, restoring those so that they can bring, bring them back to life yeah. and kind of accentuating the things that were original to that home, especially in this neighborhood where you have 1920s, 1940s, yeah. 1960s style houses that have, beautiful you know intricate details to them um that you get to accentuate you know and so with this one you know we did the farmhouse on the first two and this one's spanish we're kind of doing a modern spanish with champagne gold accents is like it's going to be gold fixtures gold faucets lighting all that so it's like 
doing a little different spin on it where you don't see somebody a flipper doing that they're gonna pick the cheapest faucet they're gonna pick the cheapest cabinet that's the same cabinet that they put in the last one they did you know we kind of just fit the scenario of what that house needs not what the material we're putting in every single one because we could easily rip out everything and just slap in some laminate call it a day yeah kitchen in there yeah But it wouldn't get the attention that we're looking for. We wouldn't get the appreciation that we're looking for. We want people to appreciate the work that we're putting into them and what we're doing for the neighborhood, you know, bringing up the recognition of obviously your look and your brand. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing. And, um, you know, we try to do like one at a time. We don't really have the crew to do multiple at a time. Maybe our business will evolve to that. But for now, doing one at a time is consumes all of our time. (laughs) No time. Yeah. No, it's crazy. And it was, was the, the craziest thing is is buyers don't know what to look for with a lipstick on a pig. So every, <laughs> no, serious. Well, like sure. when, when um, I've been in a handful of escrows where uh, we get our offer accepted, the house looks beautiful. And then all of a sudden, like there's tons of electrical the issues, inspection. tons yep. of plumbing issues, ton, like just so much stuff. Roof issues. They never touch roofs ever. Uh-huh. You know, we well, figure a roof is 10K. So that eats up a quarter of your budget a lot of times. A hundred percent. So um, it's nice to to put houses on the market that are uh, of quality. Yeah. You know, um, but with that, where does the market go from here? Where, where are we, we're, we're obviously in a, um, a massive, I, I want to say a peak. I, I don't know if there's an I, end I to the peak, the peak, like, but where does it go? Yeah. I mean, I, where are we at? I hope it's the peak because like we've all talked about, it's not fun. It's not fun for us or the buyers not getting their offers accepted, but that also comes with a lack of inventory. So until we get more inventory, we're not going to get out of this. So main focus is just getting sellers, just getting, getting sellers, people that sell are interested in selling and you know, finding out situations for them that, you know, if they want to sell, but they don't have a place to go, if they're going to stay with family, if they're going to get, I've had a ton of people I've heard of that are selling and renting because renting is cheaper now than, you know, if they were to buy another house for what their mortgage would be a lot of times with the way prices are increasing. So it makes more sense for people to do that. So finding out a scenario for sellers that'll work out in the market that we're in is like the biggest hurdle because getting an offer accepted for a seller is just as hard as a non-contingent buyer. Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so you it, have it, to have like the perfect setup. Yeah, no, I, I'm just thinking of like reasons sellers would come off the market right now. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons why they're not on the market right now. But I feel that now is there's a lot of reasons to move. A lot of um, people that want to move out of state. Not everybody wants to stay in California. And I don't blame them. You know, right? there's a lot of things that are going on that you know, make it difficult for, you know, taxes, small businesses, businesses, things that affect people's work lives here, you know, have a client that owns a trucking business makes, you know, good income, but their business is suffering for where they can even store their trucks, which will then affect whether they stay in California or not. So there's a lot of things that with this whole COVID thing is affecting people's jobs. If they're working from home now, they don't have to stay in California Mm. because their job is here. They can now move to wherever they want because they can work remotely. So would you move out of state? Like if you got the opportunity? Probably not. I've always talked about that, that I would, I would probably stay in California all my life. You know, my sister lives in Arizona. I have a cousins in um, uh, New Mexico and I don't know, like my sister moved out when she was 17 and started her life in Arizona. And 
I don't know that I could just start <laughs> a whole life over in another state. Just One, we'd have to get licensed in that state and start pretty much from scratch. So that would be a big hurdle. And the weather over there is like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a cold person either. So I don't, I want to live where it's warm and sunny. <laughs> Every day of the year. Yeah. Well, you own a, a, a piece of real property now in yeah. California. So yep. don't You're a real Californian. It. Don't sell it. Nope, nope. My plan is to hold on to it, turn it into a rental myself down the road. Um, and that be, yeah, my first investment property. And okay. eventually buy more, you know, um, maybe even to buy a duplex or triplex down the road, live in one of them and rent out the other two. But yeah, that depends. It'd have to be the perfect setup yeah. <laughs> to live with be other so we'll see. families. Yeah. If you could change one thing about the real estate market, besides like the lack of inventory, what do you think you would change? I don't know. That's a tough one. What I would change. I'd probably get rid of peds. <laughs> That's a good one. Of yeah. What? Oh, peed forms. I mean, yeah. I mean, things that maybe just camaraderie between other agents too. Like we're all in the same business together and, you know, I hope that more people could see it that way and everybody could kind of change their mindset because, it's not fun when you're dealing with someone on the other end that, you know, yeah, they probably have more experience than you and been doing this longer, but that doesn't necessarily give you the right to treat the other person poorly. So absolutely to have just better work ethics and think of your business as a broader thing than just yourself. Your business is involving so many other people around you. So just change. Just get rid of part-time agents. <laughs> That'll never <laughs> happen, especially in this market. I feel like a lot of people are wanting to jump in because it is, I like they always jump in every like when the market's hard, but just jumps in and wants to get you know a piece of the cake. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know you guys have the experience and the knowledge to be able to talk to another agent or talk to your clients or give your client you know good recommendations. So yeah, but definitely hold some weight. Yeah, yeah, to like say that you're doing this full time. We don't do this as a part time gig. This is what we invest our lives into our right. our weekends, our right. nights. You know, we don't, we lose sleep sometimes. We lose out on sometimes really, you know, fun events with family and stuff. If, you know, I know Megan, she's (laughs) missed out on so many things because she has so many people she's helping. And, you know, sometimes your personal life suffers. You don't get to always have a huge personal life. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, um, you know, it's the difference between someone who, uh, actually wants to be a successful agent versus the person who just says they want to be a successful agent. Yeah. People, you know, really, really fail to realize that um, this is a 365 uh, day year career. Yeah. This is not like, like I, when you were talking about part-time agents, I'm like, they're probably getting the most squeezed right now. Yeah. Like they are probably, you can't yeah. show anything at all ever. Yeah. Right. So the part-timers could, oh, I can meet you after work on Wednesday, you know, and uh, show you the property. They can't get anything in right now. Yeah. So I think for us, we just work real estate all day long and we're having trouble doing. Oh, my God. I know. And that's where, yeah, I saw this other agent that I follow. She said she quit her job bartending to not work weekends to now never have a life. So I think a lot of people think that you can join real estate to make your own schedule and have your own life. And 
your life is dictated by your clients, not dictated by, I mean, yes, you are supposed to make time and your schedule for yourself because you will work yourself to death. And that's never a business that will work well in the end, you know? So you do need to take time out of your days for yourself, but you definitely don't have every weekend off or holidays or, you know, you work when other people have their days off. I feel like in the beginning of the whole COVID thing, it was really easy to not have to work a weekend because everyone was at home. No one was going to work so they can go see properties. But where we're at now is like the 20, 30 offers on each property. uh, And you get a whole agents on the other side telling you don't call them, don't text them. That's insanity. It is. It's not fun. I don't Uh, think that it's ethical i feel like you're supposed to communicate with your colleagues and if people don't consider other agents or colleagues I they think are that's, that's the that's the key right there uh-huh. yeah they have it's a different to a power trip you know you know they get into that power trip and they just think that they don't need you but another day when you guys have a listing <laughs> it's right. like it switches you know so it's like right. you're gonna be calling me for that so yeah. i don't remember you i mean like I, how we joke shade is a listing agent <laughs> <laughs> he's got listing agent swag now <laughs> Which in this market, you do feel a little extra something about yourself because you have the power in a sense where ultimately it's the seller's decision, but you kind of hold some weight because you're the one communicating directly to the seller. You can kind of dictate what, if you have a good relationship with that agent or not. And especially with mine and Megan's flips, we are the listing agents. So we know what it's like. And we, if an agent doesn't communicate with us or over communicates or is annoying or something, it definitely holds some weight to us. We're like, do we want to work a 30 day escrow with that person? You know? So there's a a happy balance between it. I will say though, there are some less competent realtors out there that do give us a bad name and they always show up on every single listing, especially now um, where you can literally right in the the mls and the agent remarks where only agents can see and you can put special notes in there hey um you know the house is showing from this time to this time um uh the seller uh, needs to stay in the house for seven days after the close like and they'll call you at eight o'clock p.m and you're picking up because you pick up your phone as an agent you're like hey how can i help you and they're like hey and they ask you all of the questions that are already there that's the agent that works a nine to five job. They get off yeah. there and they got to do the real estate job now. <clears throat> and it's a, uh, and I get it. There's a hustle. Some people got to work multiple jobs. I'm just know? saying they don't read yeah. what is in the MLS. Like all your questions are already answered, yeah. but they pick up the <clears throat> phone and they call you and I, it's just tough, right? Like it, it's it, tough, but I am a communicator. I love to talk personally with that other agent. I don't always want to text and email and, you know, you can't build the same rapport. So I get why people, that's what makes it hard for agents like myself that they don't want to be communicated with. I'm like, can I just have just just one phone call with you? Can I, can we just talk? Just five minutes, just five minutes of your time. Absolutely. As like clients should be looking at like who you work with. You know, because they don't know if that person is only working like part time or full time, like the way you are. But you have to, I feel like, you know, kind of like tell your clients like you're a full time agent. Yeah. Oh, I I usually make a point to say that when I talk to people, I'm like, this is what I do full time. You can call me anytime you want. Text me, whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I always make that note to people because I, I get it. Everybody else's lives still happen. So we still have to be accommodating to when they're on their off time. For sure. Absolutely. If you were to give advice to 
agents that are just getting licensed, just coming into the game, what do you think the most important piece of advice would be? Have a mentor. That's my number one thing I've always told people. Have somebody that you can go to at any time to get advice, to train you, to maybe follow around because it's scary in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing and you want to fake your confidence somewhat, but you also want to really know what you're doing. So having a mentor, number one, best thing, hands down. Like joining like a team or like... Um, I would say, yeah, a team would probably be the best scenario because with a team comes marketing, you know, material, video, photography, stuff that signage, people don't even realize like the signage that you need for open houses or for your listings. So there's so many things that involve in a business of real estate that people don't realize from the, on the backend side. So having that support system with a team and one specific person at least and that specific person can change it can change throughout your career where you're going to have somebody to look through that helps you in the beginning and maybe you develop into your own person your own agent how you want to do things and then it changes so you can pick different mentors at any time in your life and it doesn't even have to be somebody that's in real estate it could be somebody that's within the industry but maybe does lending or maybe does title for sure you know just somebody that's in the industry, but you know, that you feel comfortable going to that you can ask questions and is pretty much available at any time. That would be my number one thing is find somebody like that. And I even remember when I was taking my real estate classes, I took them at Mount Sac. I didn't take them all online. Like everybody else. I wanted to go <laughs> to a school. I wanted to sit down. I wanted to is learn she coming for us. She's going to do it her way. <laughs> I wanted to way. learn in person. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hands-on. I got to do it to learn it. I can't just read about it and learn yeah. that way. So, and there were, you know, other people in my class that were asking me, you know, like, do you have something lined up already? I already had it lined up. I already knew where I was going to work, who I was going to work with everything. And they were freaking out because they didn't have that. Big time. And having that up front is the best thing is having, you know, somebody lined up that's already in the industry that you are, you know, as you're getting licensed that I you can like go to. They, they run to the big names. They run to like Remax. Uh-huh. They run to K-Dubs. They run because they just don't know and they feel like these big companies are going to guide them in the right yeah. direction. It's a bit, it's one of the biggest misconceptions yeah. about the industry because every new agent I talk to, I'm like, oh, so what's your what's your deal? Oh, yeah, man. I got a meeting with K-Dub on Thursday. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, that's, No, I, and I'm like being serious. I'm like, that's cool, dude. Like, yeah. who else are you going to talk to? You know, I'm going to go to uh, Century 21, bro. They've been in business for like four years. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then... Um, then they realize the fees they I have fall, to yeah. pay and all the Ugh. things. That yeah. can- I remember those <laughs> Remax fees. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for your business to have, which a lot of people think joining, joining a big team like that, you get the support. You don't always. It's kind of you join, you get a desk, and you're on your own. It's not always that you have the support. That's why I think Omega, along with a few other teams that kind of started in that same, have kind of started to change the norm of what a team is to join. Right. They're not these just you join and it's like all about numbers rather than quality. It's like 50 agents in one office and yeah. it's helping who. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's more so focusing on making those individual agents successful. And so I think a lot of teams are like that. There's other teams that are part of our brokerage as well that I feel like have the same structure as far as helping agents on their team and they're kind of changing what the norm is for, you know, big name yeah groups absolutely uh top three 
influential people in your world? I knew you were going to get difficult questions like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's not a difficult question. <laughs> it's not that difficult. Who's influ- who's the most influential? Influential. I mean, Megan definitely. She's a huge influence on my life. She's an influence on who I am as an agent and how I run my business. Um who else? I would say my mom. My mom is the nicest person you will ever meet. Literally, the oh, kindest person. Like she has the the best heart. Like anybody that knows her, I, both of my parents, my mom and my dad are so cool. Like growing up, people would always be like, your dad's so cool. I wish he was my <laughs> dad. Cause he, he's kind of like a, not a free soul, but he's just very like, just. It's a musician dad. Yeah, he's we a both, musician. We both have that. Yeah, he's just very like, yeah, free heart. And just yeah. Whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to do, you know, and like having that support where it was like anything that I wanted to do, they would support me. You know, yeah. whatever vision I had, let's do it. That's what you want to do, you know. So I would say um, definitely those people have really influenced my life for sure. That's a good top three right there. Yeah. yeah. Mom, mom and dad. Yeah. So Connors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to start a foundation, who would you start it for and why? Probably animals, probably for dogs. Oh, you did. You used to work at Pet Pet Smart. Pet Smart. Oh, yeah. Pet Smart, not Petco. Petco killed dogs. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know this. Spilled the beans. It was like an underground thing, like yeah, being a groomer. So I worked in their boarding facility, their pet hotel, when I was like 19 years old. I was like in college still, so I worked there for a few years, just getting my feet, you know, in the ground, and then it evolved to doing. You know, I went and got my certification for being a dog groomer, and I did that for about five years um and so dogs have a really really special place in my heart like anytime i go to a house and then the sellers like mm-hmm, have a dog they're mm-hmm. like oh let me put the dog away i'm like no no no, no it's okay i love dogs like, it's fine <laughs> like i if you jump on me it's fine they want to nip at me it's fine <laughs> bite me it's fine. yeah so i would i would definitely want to do something um more so just like providing for pets and shelters or something, you know. Liz is going to have a I know, I know someone who can help you. I know, I know. And that's why I like, I feel like me and her get along so well because we kind of have a lot of common interests as Absolutely. far as, you know, where our mindsets are at and um, the lives that we lived, you know, because I lived that life for eight years dealing, you know, and it was a very difficult job. I will not... I will not undermine it at all. People that work in an industry with pets, it's a very difficult industry because you deal with the good, the bad. There's not always the cute little two-month-old puppies that come in, you know, just smelling like puppy breath. You get the dogs that are on their deathbed or, you know, that just don't come from a good home and are abused and they want to bite you and they get their one, one a day, a year groom where they're, I would groom dogs where literally the entire hair would come off like a rug. And it was so sad, the bruising that would be all over their bodies because the circulation was not getting to them. And people don't realize that. They would blame the groomer after, what did you do to my dog? You cut it and it's bruised and all this stuff. And it's like, we didn't do that. Your lack of care for this dog for the past year now made its coat that way. And it's hard to explain that to people because they just don't understand. They don't. They don't. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird. There's going to be a commercial coming to the TV. 
<laughs> the little face of an angel commercials. And you oh, know, yeah. This is foundation. In the eyes of <laughs> I was like, trying to think of the song. I was like, yeah. what's that song? It came to me. This is a sad song, bro. And they want your money, so That's they always pay a sad song. song. But I feel like all of us on this team kind of have a pets in a special place in our heart. And that's why we have our pet line now of like the leashes and the bowls and stuff, because all of us have pets, you know, most of us, and we all want to contribute to people also that fish. live that same kind of life. <laughs> but you used to have dogs. Yeah. My little Phoebe and Penny shout out to them. Oh, someday you'll get another pet. Like, cat. No, I'm allergic to cats. Mm. I've always thought of getting a cat, but yeah, those like naked cats. What are they called? <laughs> Uh, what are they called? Naked cats. Look at those Egyptian ones. Mm-hmm. No, there is a name for them. I can't think of it right now. I don't know the name. Their skin's kind of weird. You gotta like lotion them. And they're kind of oily. That's kind of gross. That sounds dirty. They kind of feel, yeah, like an old man's skin. Like I wouldn't know what that feels like. <laughs> so where would you say you draw most of your inspiration from? As far as what, like. As far as like like what inspires you um, to lead the life that you living that you're living right now, I guess maybe my past and not having the things that I have now that definitely motivates me. You know, I always wanted to own my own place, have my own business, and doing it now is such a cool thing. So it's like I'm now living what I always envisioned. Um, you know, so that's kind of just. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that's what I like to be able to now do what I've always thought was never I was never capable of. But really knowing and having the people around you to make it happen. happen. And where you think that it's you're not capable when you really are. But that's Ultra the biggest capable. thing is having people around you to support you. It's the biggest thing is having support because I've been in relationships in the past that didn't support my business and so um you know, that definitely makes a difference having people around you. Friendships too, because not everybody will see you the same as someone that maybe makes a little bit more money now than they yeah. used to. You know, yeah. that's not always something that people like. There's people out there that I don't know what it is in them that they don't like to see success in people. But I feel like that's something we have in our in this culture, in this team. You know, we do have that. We've all came from, you know, not wealthy or like big name families. And we have all kind of built a name for ourselves or we work hard for ourselves. You know, we appreciate what we have now because, you know, we didn't have that as we were kids. So I feel like we could all agree on that in in this team, you know, so. Like not living paycheck to paycheck. I did that for so many years of my life. And I know my parents struggled for so many years too, having three young girls and, um, you know, I don't, I want to try to set my life up now for the future. If I have kids and have a family that they won't be in that same scenario where I can have, yeah, like investments for them to inherit and, you know, stuff like that, that I know my parents didn't think of. They didn't think of stuff like that to have inheritance or have things right. lined up for their kids. It just wasn't that generation's, I feel like, mindset to have, you know, things lined up for their kids. Some people did, but I think the majority know. I'm actually really glad I went through that. Like, I'm really, really grateful that I got a chance to, not a chance, or like that was my life. Yeah. I feel like if you're, if I heard something the other day, if, if you've been broke and happy um, and back to broke, it's really, it's, it's really not all that bad. Yeah. But if you go from rich 
too broke without ever having being broke without ever having been broke yeah like it's it's the worst thing that can ever happen to people yep. and it's like if you could find some joy with no money then you can find a lot of joy with a lot of money but it's a matter of i feel like don't get stuck in that zone of not having the money what's your next step where are you going to go next to do your next best big thing having that constant entrepreneurial like mindset where you're not getting stuck and comfortable because i feel like a lot of people get comfortable and where they're at in their lives um and they don't think bigger or they're not smart with their money either like you know you could be making like hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and not be smart about your money and and this is something that i've actually like learned a lot from coming to this office was you know i think david mentioned this to me one time he was like I think I was like hung over on a Monday morning and Monday morning here at the office. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I remember that life, you know, being hung over. <laughs> and I remember it just got to me. I was like, man, like maybe I shouldn't come home over on a Monday morning. But I mean, it's it hard to think, focus. And what makes you think about it, it's like, you know, how are you spending your time? And that's something I learned from you guys, how to spend your time and like, you know, how to invest your money. And, you know, we're all learning from each other. And that's a good thing. It's like, you know, and something about David and anybody in this office, actually, <laughs> they just call you out on your shit. You know, they're going to yeah. call your ass out and you have to have thick skin. But at the end of the day, I feel like you guys do it because you look after us. You yeah. know? We look after sure. each other. I mean, I think back when, you know, I was making like no money and I would spend $300 of my full paycheck almost on makeup. Yikes. Like, what was I doing? I don't know. What were you doing? <laughs> and now you're but just now, like, eh. now it's so different. And I was actually talking about that with my hairdresser because it's like we were talking about, you know, different phases of the makeup and the hair and stuff. And it's like, I'm just in a different phase in my life where those things are not as important as they used to be. You know, and every, I think everybody goes through a phase, whatever it is that's most important to them, whether it was, you know, motorcycles or, you know, whatever their hobby is at that time, it was so important. You spent so much money on it and then it evolves into something that's just not important yeah, anymore. hundred percent. Yeah. It's so crazy you say that because I, I, I've always, I never had money growing up, but I always, I was one of those kids that was like, as soon as I have $5,000 saved, I'm buying that something, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because- I still when, tell myself but, that. But I always, but check this out. I would get the 5,000, when I would make the 5,000, I would look at the, whatever it was and I'm like, I'm never buying that. Same. No. Okay, and then, so I, I, and keep... then I would go to 10,000 and I get the 10,000 I'd be like, I'm never buying that. And I would just keep going up and up and up. And I now I don't want to buy, I don't want to buy anything, yeah. you know? I keep telling myself that. I'm going to make X amount of money. I'm going to buy myself a Louis. I keep telling myself, I've told myself that since the day I started real estate. It's been almost three years. Have I bought myself a Louis yet? No. And I've made really good money, but it just became like, I don't know when I'm going to hit that point where I feel like it's going to be okay to spend that money on one thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Well, I feel like it's just changed like with our, our time because, you know, We've came to this world, I don't know if you saw a Netflix show, but like being like a minimalist, you know, and it's like, I don't know if we yeah. all get into that mindset of like, do we need that? You know, do we want that? Or what if something happens down the line where the market does crash and, you know, I need to have this money saved, saved. up, you know? So I think for us, it makes us think that way. Yeah. Not everybody has the savings. They say that you're supposed to have, what, six months in reserves. The average population, I don't think even has a month. They don't yeah, have sure. they don't have enough for like a five hundred dollar emergency. Yeah, I think I have like crazy. ten dollars on my savings. Right now. <laughs> Mario, <laughs> come on, Mario! I said I was learning from you guys. <laughs> I haven't learned yet. Stupid. I just can't. I'm just I'm an over preparer. So like, 
I couldn't, if something were to happen and, you know, God forbid, wasn't making the money I wanted to make and owning a place now, I'm so grateful that I have a reserve because having that gives me so much more um, peace of mind, calmness in my life. Yeah. Where like I can just, and that's where you say you're not commission breath. You don't, you're not working for your money. You're just, you're working to make a living. Like it's just, it's a different kind of mindset. I think that's a really good point too. I remember the getting into the game and being nervous, you know, if I don't close this, then, um, you know, and and I had family that was going to back me up, uh, if I failed, but yeah, that feeling, but once you get over that hump of security, you can start really providing value for the sake of providing value, yeah, not for any skew of, uh, information and, you know, there's a lot of asshole realtors out there that that do live the paycheck to paycheck because you can make really good money. But if you're making ten thousand dollars a month and spending nine, uh, you know, you're you're you you need to sell that house that that family doesn't want. Mm. And it's like that's the whole game that we all. I think our whole team kind of has a similar mindset to that, and I think that um, you know I was kind of like the first one of the like renters of the newbie agents that like kind of just made that first step and kind of the other agents kind of now took that like I can oh, do this absolutely. on my own absolutely she's doing it I could do it too and it's like it's cool to set examples for people 100%. like that that you know you can do that and that's your first step next step is ownership because yep. now you know what kind of money you need to put towards something every month it's a good I think that everybody should be a renter at some point I don't think you have to go from you know living with your parents to owning a house there's always an in-between. It's okay yeah. to be a renter and you can rent for a little bit. It gives you that like, you know, routine of paying something monthly. I just feel like some, a lot of people get perpetually trapped in the renting game. Yep. And uh, that's not a, uh, and, and especially like, dude, rent isn't cheap. And if you want something a little bit nicer, it's definitely not cheap. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 you're entry level decent like decent home, 2,300 bucks. Oh yeah. Definitely nothing under two. I know it was so difficult for me when I was trying to find something to rent that was under two for like a two bedroom, anything, right. You know, just for average little condo that just doesn't exist anywhere around here. And so I think it's good. And a lot of people, like you said, get stuck in that renter mindset where they're renting, but they also forget the saving parts. Like you can be a renter and still be a saver. So you just have to put those two together so that you can eventually be an owner. Well, they have just, like those luxury apartments that they like entrap you in them because they're like luxury apartment, one bedroom, you know, but $2,400 a month for a one bedroom apartment. With the gym and the pools yeah. and all these amenities that make you feel like this is the great hotel life I'm living every day, you know. But some people like that renter life. They want yeah. to, they love the peace of mind. If your pipe bursts, you just call the maintenance and they fix it for you. I've been thinking that because I'm like, I don't have nobody I can call anymore. <laughs> I got to call the plumber. I got to call, you know, whatever, you know, my toilet started you're acting be the a little funny. Now. Yeah, my toilet started acting a little funny recently. I'm like, no, you better not. I own this shit uh, now. Uh, you better, uh, better not. not. You should have broke down two months ago. <laughs> yeah. Toilet. You got no more tea? Yes. Did I? Sure. You know what's funny? Is I got, I got, you were your own agent. You should know. I know. No, I'm pretty sure I did. I got a home warranty and I told them to not put the pool on there because the pool stuff was kind of jacked up. And like a week later, dude, the pool system done. So, yeah, I understand what you're saying about that, though. It's like a lot of people. And that's what Dave Ramsey preaches. He's like, it, sometimes being an owner is not cheaper than being a renter. Yeah. 
Because if you don't have money to put the, you know, the new HVAC system in, you're going to freeze your, you know, you're going to freeze. Having the reserves. Yeah. And that's why I was so grateful for my place that I bought too, because it has a brand new HVAC. It's maybe like a year or two old. Yeah, it's nice. You know, newer windows all around. So it had all the big ticket items. Everything that I would want to do is just cosmetic. Nothing is necessary. It's not falling apart. Nothing's broken. So um, it was a really good setup. But I get it that, you know, even the houses in this market that need... They're considered, you know, not even loanable. People are still, loanable. they're still a, trying. They're C5, C6. They're C5, C6. <laughs> <Yeah>, still <laughs> trying. People are still trying to buy them because that's all there is. Yeah, and it's yeah. crazy that people are buying things that are going to require $50,000 or more in repairs. They're paying $50,000 more over asking price. So yes. it's like you think about it as you're, you're spending $50,000 more than asking price. You're probably going to have to put another $50,000 more into this house. And yep. it's like. Ugh, it sounds scary sometimes for first-time buyers out there. You know, they look at this market right now, and they're just like, well, uh, should I buy now? Should I it not is. buy now? I showed my clients a house um, over the weekend that was the C5, C6, whatever, you know, which is very major repairs. And I could just see it in their eyes as we we're walking through, just like big-eyed, like, uh, this is very overwhelming. I don't think I could take on – I would work every day of my free time – repairing this house and for me because i've done renovations on other houses where we see what it takes it's like it's so much easier for me to be like oh yeah you just do this this and this I you know, know. and i can kind of yeah. but to other people it's like no 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 no, yeah. <laughs> not worth the money and that's what's hard in this market because people are overpaying for houses like that that in any other market it would be sitting there for weeks maybe yeah. months and it's being sold within a week yeah it's no it's, it's absolutely insane super so it's Saturday morning. You have no appointments for the day. How do you spend your time? Probably going to Hobby Lobby. All day? <laughs> <laughs> I My guilty pleasure, something that makes me happy is shopping. As much as that is not money smart. I don't always spend money when I go out. I just like to go and look a lot of times, but... I'll usually go to like TJ Maxx, uh, Home Goods. I love Home Goods or Hobby Lobby. Those are my like main. See, I don't like Hobby spots. Lobby. It's like it's always a hit and miss there all the time. I feel like Home Goods has a way better selection of stuff. Hobby Lobby's coming up. <laughs> Wait, there's more than just hobby stuff there. Yes, there's <laughs> Have all. Have you ever been to Hobby Lobby, home, David? All kinds of home uh, decor, about, like you can imagine for your home is there. I think about a drone there once. <laughs> no, you can buy drones. any kind of artwork, home decor anything can i pay you to interior design my office yeah it is there's literally nothing on the wall you give me a vision like what you want what you're interested in boom i have a britney spears poster <laughs> i could put up right there please don't <laughs> david spears brother but that's what i love i think that i've always loved that is things that involve the home even when i'm not working i still want to go and shop for a home that's just like, that's my like fun well, you're, you're in the right field. That's for damn sure, <laughs> know. you know. And that's why, yeah, my sisters always made fun of me because I would watch HGTV when I was like eight years old. Wow. Like House Hunters, wow. any kind of flipping show. I just loved it. So when you talk to the producer for your sizzle, you're like super excited. Yeah. So, yeah, we're actually going to be on House Hunters for our first flip this spring. It's supposed to release, which was such an exciting thing. Yeah, the producer emailed me um such a sweet girl and we like totally built rapport so me and megan met her at you know the flip and they totally filmed the show and it was so crazy to see it happening because 
I at that point was like, I've made it in life. <laughs> my favorite, show. my, my favorite, favorite show growing up. And here we are a part of it. Like that was like such a big moment for me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what is the most important goal for you moving forward? Um, I mean, biggest goal is just to keep building my business and keep building my investments. That's my, my goal right there is to just keep building and building and building to make a life I didn't have ever, yeah. nor did my family ever have. And I feel like I'm now in a position where I can help my family. Whereas before I uh, never yeah. ever thought that I could do that. So to keep building that where my family at some point won't ever have to worry about money, about anything if they need it. So I love that. Where do you see yourself in 30 years? 30 years. Oh my God, I'll be 62. Almost. My God, don't say how old you're going to be. That's retirement age. And that's where, that's yeah. That's why I asked the question. I know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be that old real estate agent, 62, just still showing houses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I'll be that. I don't know what I'll. Then you, you can know. tell younger agents, I've been in the business I've been for in the 30 best. years. Yeah, young like kid. things. You know, just I, you know what? I've never seen like an older agent like showing houses. Bro, right you see my oh, I have. My aunt's like 65. Really? Those are my yeah. favorite agents to talk to because they know that rapport is a huge thing. So they actually will talk to you. Well, so when, those I'm waiting, <laughs> when I'm waiting in line, like at a house, you know, now waiting at a house for to show a property, I have to wait in line for like Disneyland lines. And it was like the other agents. And I'm like, they're all pretty much young. Like, it's like, yeah. it's rare when you say the older. Well, you, you figure most older agents have buyer's agents now that no. they just send out to do the work for them. But yeah, in 30 years, I mean, maybe I'll have a couple of kids by then. Maybe they'll be in the business with me. Maybe not. You know, um, I would eventually like to grow the flipping business bigger too and have that as like its own entity and its own thing. So, you know, maybe that will take me places. Who knows? As long as we get invited to your Palm Springs house, we're fine. <laughs> I was actually talking about that with my hairdresser that I want to invest in something in Palm Springs, Palm Desert as like an Airbnb. I think that that would be a really good investment. Just invite me over. Yeah. I love it. My boy's closing on one. On, it's, it's amazing out there. Um, where can people find you on social media, Alyssa? Realtor list is my Instagram handle. Alyssa O'Connor, Facebook. I have a private page, Life with Liz, and that's where everybody gets that from because Liz is kind of my go-to. Everybody calls me Liz. That's my friend. All right, Liz. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. We will see you. We will see you.